Well, today I want to talk to you about how to be shameless. We've talked about how to be shameless and how to be blameless. Next week we're going to talk about how to be tameless. And all these things are a part of this summer series where we're following up our Luke 3 and Me study. And we're looking at some of the characters like Noah and Abraham. Today we look at Zerubbabel and how their stories can help us in our current situation with some of the things that we're facing. So when we talk about how to be shameless today, we're going to use the story of Zerubbabel who, brought, who came back from captivity uh, with the Israelites to rebuild the temple. And that was his responsibility to reestablish the importance of the religion aspect of their culture as Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and, and kind of created the infrastructure for all of this, the important part was the temple being rebuilt because it was their worship of God and the centrality of that that would rebuild their society and rebuild their culture. And we're going to talk about this in reference to our rights, civil rights. But I want you to understand when I talk about our rights, what I'm talking about is also our responsibilities. Because with every right that God gives us, every inalienable right that is given to us, there are certain responsibilities that go along with those rights. It's not just a get out of jail free card. It's not something where you get to do this and someone else is going to take care of everything like it's my right to it's my right to have a Snickers bar. I, somebody right now, go get me one. You know, that's not a right. It's, I might think it's my inalienable right, but it's not because that's not very responsible for me to think that way. So there's a balance that we have to kind of understand. And the reason that I want to bring this up this week is because uh, I think, and I was reading through some stuff this week that kind of helped confirm or solidify what I've believed for a while. And that is that we here in America have been in kind of a period of captivity for the last 50, 60, 70 years. And this has been confirmed for me through some of the things that I've been reading uh, because there are a lot of good authors today who are helping point out that at one time this country was rich in its Christian heritage, the Judeo-Christian ethic which guided us. And one such author, Christine Meyer, she wrote a book called 70 Years of American Captivity. And in it, she offers the premise that for at least the last 70 years, America has slowly been carried away into captivity by secularism and progressivism as our leaders have forsaken the founding principles and patterns of Christianity that were infused into our structure and laws in the beginning. We see this battle played out right now in our political arguments about those who want to uphold the Constitution and those who think that each generation should rewrite the Constitution in their own image. Uh, this all kind of started back in the early 1900s. The writings for it were at the late 1800s, but the ideas of this progressivism, communism, socialism infused into what we call capitalism or what we call America started to infiltrate and the first thing and the reason this matters to us is the first thing they attacked was the church and Christianity. Now that may not matter to you it matters to me as a pastor as a preacher because I understand the consequences of that for our young people 
And for those who grow up without that influence in their life, they're just going to deal with a lot of shame, a lot of blame, a lot of guilt, a lot of torture, a lot of trauma that is unnecessary because someone else is playing with house money. Now, here's the, here's the thing about that is when our leaders betray uh, the principles of our founding, which were in the Judeo-Christian uh, ethic morality, what they're doing then is they're trying to recreate society and culture using their power through the laws, through the rules, regulations, and we've talked about all this before, to, uh, to elevate certain other minority groups or minority ideas. There's nothing wrong with, and fundamentally we are to protect those who are of the minority um, numbers and uh, thinking in our culture. But fundamentally what we are being asked to do, and this is important, is we're being asked to forsake our Christian heritage and history and participate in the secular schemes of those agents of Satan who seek to gain power over us. We're being told that we will be left behind if we don't get with the program on certain matters and some of the curtain matters like climate change or transgenderism or abortion rights. And all of these are just examples of issues being promoted then in the name of immutable civil rights or unchanging inalienable rights. Now, I'm very, um, I'm, um, uh, very uh, pro-civil rights. I want people to have their civil rights. They do need to be protected. But when they are done so without the idea of responsibility attached with them, then that's where we start to have a problem. That's where things begin to break down. So you can have the civil right to, say, peacefully protest. And I caught just a little glimpse of the news this morning where there were some major uh, riots again in, or some uh, riots in some of the major cities. And the, the people that are on the streets, they have the right to protest, but they, it, it is very irresponsible for them to protest by breaking into someone's business and stealing, stealing whatever they want to steal, right? Are we in agreement with that? So we kind of understand that. No matter how important my rights are, I don't, have the, I don't have the freedom in terms of responsibility to go in and tear up anything that you have in order to, to demand my rights. And Christ never asked us to do that. Church has never done that. And our founding fathers were very careful to make sure that there was a balance between this idea of freedom of religion so that we are guided by virtue, guided by God's word in that ethic, and the, the power of the, the, the state not uh, taking on the idea of being the iron fist of the church or religion. So we're being told that we're left behind because we're not getting on board with some of these issues that are heavy on rights and very light on responsibility. We have been heard, we've heard things like our children have the, the right to pure and clean water. So uh, that's where the climate change kind of issue comes up. You know, we, you, we have to do it for the children, right? We're going to do it for the kids because uh, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the, the seas will rise and the sun will burn us all. You do understand they made these same claims in the early 60s about what was going to happen in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
let me just take a survey to look at, okay, you all seem to be fine. I mean, you don't look too bad. Some of you look rougher than others, but that's okay. So we've heard things like that. We've also heard for a long time, or we're more recently hearing about this issue, that we need to let our children identify what gender they are. We need to let them choose what gender they want to be. So uh, don't designate them as a boy or girl. Just leave that part blank. And then when they're five or six years old and they've really developed their mental acuity, they get to decide, right? And right now I'm listening to a, a very disturbing book, not because it's, uh, uh, it's bad for me to listen to, but it's about some of the transgender issues that are going on in our culture right now with teenage girls. And uh, the explanation that's been given by this is just frightening. That it, um, there is so much, there's such a, a political effort right now and such an effort in culture to confuse young girls in this particular area when they are confused already. We're also being told, and I don't know if you heard this, but the, at the Democratic Convention, part of the platform is both men and women now have the right to do whatever they want with their bodies as far as pregnancy is concerned. Did you hear me say that? Men and women. Now, it's not what you think. What they're saying is it's men who want to get pregnant. They have the right to do what they want to do with their bodies. I know you're shocked, aren't you? We'll explain all this to you later. So, okay. That's why you're supposed to be coloring your page. Are you coloring your page? So there are just a few of these current issues that are being promoted as inalienable God-given natural rights. And our founding fathers, they established life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness as those inalienable rights, those natural rights, the rights that God gives to us. But there's a catch with some of the other new immutable inalienable rights that are being passed along, and that is that in order for them to catch on and be, uh, become law, become part of culture, Christians must be silenced and submit themselves to uh, the threat that we are going to be left behind, that we're on the wrong side of history, that somehow all the things that we've learned for the last 2,000 years are wrong, that the Bible's wrong, that what we know about Christ is wrong, what we know about sin is wrong, what we know about relationships are wrong, what we know about gender is wrong, everything that you know is wrong. And we must submit to the new order, or we're going to be on the, quote, wrong side of history. Now, young believers have been stricken with panic, so much so that if they continue to put their trust in God and in the church and not government and politicians, they're being convinced that the rights of minorities will be ignored or infringed. So our young people are being indoctrinated, sometimes even in our public school system, that in order for the minority groups to get what is their right, then Christianity must go away. That the church and God must be silenced because we're on the wrong side of the history. And that we must trust government and politicians to protect the rights of those minorities that have been ignored or infringed. 
And this is nothing new. This started in the 60s with the sexual revolution. For some of you who can remember back to that day. Uh, so the revolution started back in the 60s, and now it's just continuing on this idea, this umbrella of civil rights. And my apologies to Martin Luther King Jr., who uh, I think his picture is associated with that graphic that I had there. And I'm not trying to intimate that um, or imply that what he did was a part of this thing, but that whole idea of civil rights came out of that time period. Believers have been so sick stigmatized and shamed as frauds and phonies that we fear promoting God as the sovereign Lord. And in some instances, it's our own teenage children who are accusing us of that. Now, if you're a parent, and this is one of the things that I heard from the book that I've been reading about transgender, if you have a parent and your child comes and they say to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now identify as a ghost, or I'm going to identify as a, um, a ferret. And you said to them, oh, oh, okay. Well, I, you know, I want to support you because if I question you or I question your decision or your maturity about being able to make this decision as a 12 or 13-year-old, then I am an evil person who doesn't care about you. And the good news for them is that they don't need you. They may still live in your home, but if you're giving them access to the Internet and they have cell phones, they're going to find hundreds of thousands of people out there that will say it's perfectly all right and actually a good thing to be a ferret. Or it's perfectly all right to be a good... What was the other thing? A ghost. Was it a ghost? (laughs) Now, how silly do I sound? Yet, if a young girl says, well, I'm a boy, or a young boy says, well, I'm a girl, we have to go, huh? Well, well, oh, well, everything's just fine with that. And if we question it, then we are associated with that group of people that come from the church where there are actually biblical truths that are designed to help us understand and negotiate life and the relationship with Jesus that helps us heal those Uh, failings and frustrations that we have, we have to set those aside and just say, oh, well, that's okay. So believers have been so stigmatized, especially young believers, that they're afraid to say anything because they will be canceled. They will be shamed. And this is where we fall into this idea of the shamelessness or the shame of being shameless uh, in this message. Isaiah 28, verse 16 says very clearly, So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay in Zion, now listen to this, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And then in Romans, or in, yeah, in Romans 9, that same phrase is used, only he says, will never be put to shame. Listen, a tested stone, a cornerstone. Now, cornerstone is what your building is built upon. It's the cornerstone. It's the, it's the most important stone. And when you're building a foundation on this stone, it is sure, it is precious, it is tested. And then for us then, if we're going to learn how to be shameless in this right world, we need to have courage and confidence and certainty. 
And that's what we can have in Christ Jesus, no matter what kind of lies or pressure or panic others are trying to put on us through the effort of shame and guilt. That's why I gave all the kids a a sheet today that had these three words on it. You have your sheet, courage, confidence, and certainty. You have your balloon. All right, here's what I want you to do with your balloon. Get your balloons out, kids. And here's what I want you to do is I want you to blow up your balloon without blowing any air into it. Okay, go. Blow it up, but you can't blow any air into it. Go ahead, Zoe. I'm ready. Let me know when you're done. Blow it up. No air. You're putting air in it. I'm sorry. Blow it up. Don't put any air in it. Well, wave it around in the air. Get, I mean, there's all kinds of air out here. Wave your balloon around. Maybe it'll fill up. Does that work at all? Is that working? The air's not getting in there? Hmm. That's interesting. It's kind of like the wisdom of the world. I mean, there's all kinds of things out there. But what God says he wants to do, listen, what God says he wants to do is he wants to breathe into us his wisdom and his truth. So you'll have a chance to do that in just a second, but don't blow up your balloons yet because I don't want them to burst. So in Romans chapter 9, verse 33, it says, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Uh, Paul kind of twists that idea about the precious cornerstone. He says it, is a, it causes people to stumble and it's a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Meaning that there are going to be people who don't believe that it's the tested stone. That it is not the precious cornerstone that's sure for us. And so it will become actually the stone of stumbling and falling for them. But if we believe in him, we will never be put to shame. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Let's say that together. The one who believes in him will never be put to to shame. Say it again. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. You get that? Yet the world's going to do everything it can to shame you, to get rid of the cornerstone of Christ in your life. This morality and ideas of truth that come from his word. The sovereign Lord teaches us about this idea of shame. He used that story of Zerubbabel and As we talk about how to be shameless based upon Zerubbabel, the Israelites had been in captivity for 70 years, kind of like we find ourselves in captivity. They displaced from their homes, separated from their religious experience and expression. They were living under the guilt and shame of national failure. Their position and promise as the Creator's chosen people were in question as they were humiliated and conquered by a secular agent of God. But when the time was right, the Lord spoke to his people through the prophet Haggai when he said in Haggai chapter 2, verse 5 through 9, Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Or better yet, get back to work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. 
If we find ourselves in captivity, we need to remember that God has always made this promise to us that we can be strong in our land and we can work. And if we work hard and we put our trust in God, we know the spirit is with us and there's no reason for us to be afraid. We don't have to worry about the outcome necessarily because God says, I'm with you. He'll work all things together for our good. And that means for us personally, but also corporately. God was willing, uh, calling the Hebrews to work, to rebuild their culture, their country. And I think he's calling us to do that this, the, the same right now. If we actually have been in captivity in the church in the last 70 years. If we've allowed ourselves to fall asleep become overwhelmed by these leaders that have betrayed us and betrayed the principles upon which this nation was built. They spent enough time participating in the secular kingdom of men. And as they did that, like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Esther, as they did that, they tried to maintain what they believed in, but they were not able to excel because they were in captivity if we've been in captivity, we've been still going to church, doing the things, praying, doing the things that we're supposed to be doing, giving sacrifice. But now it's time for us to get to work again and realize that this culture that God has blessed us with, this country with God, which God has blessed us with, is worth the fight. That it's worth speaking up and not being silent. It's worth saying what we know God's word teaches us to help us and to talk about the relationship of Christ which heals us to people who are confused and spouting off things for which they have no sense of responsibility, but they think it's their right. But remember, if you claim that you have a right to something, yet you don't accept the responsibility that goes along with it, you're just asking people to give you stuff and serve you. That's not a right. It is time for us to work to rebuild our culture and our country and the image that God gave to us through the wisdom of our founders. That's why today, in the facts and evidence, I use Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13, which says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your mouth that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, listen to this, and anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. We don't have to live in shame when we believe in Him, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead, when we believe with our heart and are justified, and we say with our mouth, uh, profess our faith that we believe in Christ Jesus. We will never be put to shame. Oh, people will try. But if you have the courage and the confidence and the certainty, no matter what they say, will throw you off your game. It goes on to say, For there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on Him. It's God who doles out the blessings, not the government. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, again, will be saved. God promises us that if we make Jesus the Lord, we find our help in His Word and our healing in our relationship with Him, that we won't be left behind. 
that we won't lose out or we won't be lost. And it takes some sense of context and experience for us to understand that fully. We must believe, and for those of us who've lived on this earth for more than 20 years, we know that there are things that happen decade after decade after decade that challenge us. And maybe it is true that we as a church and Christian people have allowed ourselves to stay in captivity because we're comfortable there. But we're not rebuilding or we're not building up the kingdom of God and the power of God's presence in our culture. And we're okay with that. But unless we stand up now, I'm afraid we won't be able to be shameless. Because we're not believing in him, we're not professing with our mouth, we're not standing up for what is true. That's why today I want to talk about how to be blameless. And the first way that we do that is we be courageous. So, all right, here we go. Get your balloons and your markers, kids. Once you blow your balloon up, you may need some help. And this is a permanent marker, parents, so if you've got a child and you don't want them to get a marker on their clothes, have it up. So here's what I want you to do. Once you blow up your balloon, don't pop it, but blow it up as big as you can and then let someone hold, the, hold, the, hold it shut for you. And then I want you to write the first word on your sheet there, courage. Got your sheet, you know how to write the word courage on your balloon. Blow it up, hold the air in it, and, then, and don't let it go out because I'll need you to illustrate something for us in a second. So first of all, how to be blameless, we need to be courageous. And we can be courageous because we know that even though people lie to us and say, we're going to be left behind by the world, you know, you're not happening, you're not with it, you're going to be left behind because uh, you're not subjecting yourself or submitting yourself to this shame that we want you to live in, you're not going to be left behind. Here's the thing that we find out every 10 years or so is that the stupid things that people were talking about 10 years ago that they swear was the best thing in life, now no one wants to do it anymore. I mean, think about hairstyles. Does anybody remember the mullet? Or uh, what's a good hairstyle that, you know, you ladies had back in the day or the 90s or 80s that no longer, you know, is thinking about that? The what? Okay, big hair. So there are things we go, oh, man, this is, this is happening, and if you don't get on board, you're going to be left behind. I've kind of had the same hairstyle since I, was, uh, since I was in high school, just a little less or a little more at different times. I'm in the little less period right now, but my hairstyle's been pretty much the same. This is it. It's just me. I let, just let it grow. I don't style it. I don't feather it. I don't blow it out. I, nothing like that. It's just whatever comes out, that's what it's going to look like, right? So the thing that we realize is that things are always kind of changing and it's always the young people who want to get on board and say, if you don't do this, then you're going to be left behind. That's when we need to be courageous. All right, you guys got your balloons full of air and you have the word courageous on it. So you got courageous on it. All right, here's the illustration. God breathes into us this power that comes from the word that allows us to be courageous, bold. And say, we're not going to be left behind. We have these colorful balloons. You know, the thing about a balloon is it's so colorful, so beautiful. When people walk by, they notice, oh, balloons. 
We need to be these beautiful balloons that are infused and enthused with the Word of God and with His truth. And we need to be very confident. That's why we write the, the word confident on the balloon. But here's what happens in culture. They come along and they try to shame us. That means panic-stricken. The, the idea of panic-stricken is to, to take the air out of us. So kids, just let the air out of the balloon, but don't let it fly. Just let it out. Hold up in the air so people can see what happens when the air goes out of a balloon. Did you tie that? Okay, good. There you go. What happens to the balloon? Shrinks, it shrivels, it goes flat. And that's how a lot of Christians feel these days right now. They just feel flat. They don't have that life. They don't have that energy. It's because we've lost our courage because of the shame. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 through 17 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We just have to be ready to give people an answer for why we believe in Christ. We do it with gentleness and respect. We do it out of love, but we don't do it out of fear. We're courageous. We know that God is right. We know that God is true. We know that He's enthused our words. And even though people say, if you don't get rid of that thinking and, and adopt mine, you're going to be left behind. You say, well, okay, then I'll be left behind. But the problem is, they're not the one. They're, we're not left behind. We just keep on moving down the road and they go off on a tangent and pretty soon they're left behind. They're looking out, well, what happened here? And then they got to do all the catching up. The thing about God is that he is that sure foundation that helps us in our lives. And we might not think that this matters to us right now, but I want you to know that in our own little worlds, our school boards, in our communities, in our classes, there's efforts being made by those who want to try to, again, eliminate the influence of Christianity and church and virtue, true virtue from culture in the name of civil rights. And so they're pressuring school boards to adopt ideas and classes and hire certain kinds of instructors who can remake the and rethink. And there's even an effort to get rid of all history classes in school. There's an effort to make sure there's, we've already gotten prayer out of schools. We already have the, we can't uh, have the Ten Commandments on the wall. We can no longer do the Pledge of, Alleg uh, Pledge of Allegiance in which we say one nation under God. But now we want to get rid of all history concerning uh, how the, the country uh, developed into what it is. And there, it's done by people who will write school. They may not even live in the school, uh, the school district, but they will write letters uh, represented by lawyers demanding that the school do this, that, and the other thing. And school boards are so afraid of uh, being sued these days that they're taking them into consideration seriously. In one such uh, school district down in Texas, the parents, they got so angry that some outside group was trying to remake their social structure in their school that they went to the school board themselves. They had to do it virtually because they, were, they can't go meet and this is an optimal time for these threats to be made. And so they're going online and one parent after another 
says, I live here. I pay taxes here. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I want this to happen in our school district. And it gave the school board the courage to stand up against the mob that seek to silence them. There's going to be an opportunity for you. It will come in your life where you need to stand up and be courageous when someone says, you either get on board with us or you're going to be left behind. And you say, listen, I believe in God. I believe in Christ Jesus. I believe in his word. And I believe that the inalienable rights that God has given to us have been reflected in what's been said. We have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I want to take full responsibility for those things. And I will disagree with whatever that idea that you're sharing with me is. But I want to do is in general respect. I still love you. Let's have a conversation about it. Second thing here is we need to, if we want to be blameless, is we need to be confident. Because another one of the fears is that if we don't get on board with progressive culture, that we're some gonna, somehow going to lose out. And what I mean by that is we're going to lose out uh, economically, relationally, personally. And this threat itself has been haunting parents for the last 20 years or so when their teenager comes into them and says, you know, I really feel like I'm this and you're not this, so I'm not like you. And if you can't support me for the way that I am, I'll still live here and I'll still let you pay my insurance and for my car and put food on my table, but I'm going to go live my own life the way that I want to. We feel like we're going to lose out on our relationship with that person, and so many parents just give in. We're being told that if we don't get on board, we're going to lose out economically, and there are some businesses that are so afraid to even mention that they stand for God or that they want to do what is right. If you don't believe that, just ask Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy. Right now they're just trying to crucify him in a in a in a sense, metaphorical sense, because he's promoting a, a, a healthy alternative or a kind of a vitamin alternative to something that's been tested by uh, 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 through, gone through two stages of testing, and yet he's being accused of being a snake oil salesman. Why? Well, because he, he wears a cross on his chest. He talks about his faith in Jesus Christ. We need to remember what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for the, Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Do you hear that? The Spirit of God does not make us timid. It gives us power, but at the same time, love and self-discipline. The power is great, but if it's not attended with love and your own self-discipline, it's easy for those that you're trying to help to point out your inaccuracies. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Stand up for it is true. Be confident. 
you will not be you will not lose out one of the problems that we have in our culture right now we talked about the circular firing squad last week is we have a circular and i'm just gonna to make it polite we have a circular poo shoveling squad going on and what i mean by that is that there's this relationship between some media outlets and social media like facebook and twitter where if something is said on twitter and facebook by someone we don't even know what their credibility is or what their uh, what their training is what their teaching is they can say whatever they want and then the media will quote them as if it's the gospel truth then twitter or social media or facebook they will see that thing that's in the newspaper or in um, on some outlet like Axios or something like that, then they will quote it uh, on their social media pages, and then there's just this circular shoving of you know what that goes on. And before you know it, there are millions of people who think that whatever it is that's trending that day is true. And do you know when they do studies of things that are trending? Often they find out more often than not the thing that trends is false. Yet millions of people think it's true because it was in that circle of poo that was being shoveled around. That's why it's so important for us to stand up and be powerful in our speech and talk about what is true and right. Be confident because we're not going to lose out, but the people that are on these social media platforms, they're so afraid to stand up for what is true and right because they will have their sponsors taken away or they'll lose their income or whatever the case might be. We should not be afraid. Finally, we need to be certain if we are going to be blameless because we know we're never lost. The world's going to get lost along, it, on the, along the way several times. Have you ever noticed that? It just gets lost in certain things. And then eventually it kind of comes back to those things that are tried and true, family, uh, morality, stability. We're not going to get lost along the way. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 6 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith in this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of the Lord, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God loves, because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, we were still powerless because Christ died for the ungodly. Here's the difference. In the world, as they test and try things that are not certain and unsure, they don't have God saving them through that. We may suffer. We may have to go through some difficult things, but we know that it produces perseverance and character and hope. And in hope, we are never put to shame because we're always hoping that God will hold us up. This past week, we were, I don't know how many of you were able to uh, tune in to the Democratic uh, 2020 convention. And, uh, you know, I try not to be very political here. But I do want to, I just, if you did catch any of it, either directly or news reports on it uh, uh, last week, let me, just, let me just ask this question. Don't raise your hand, but I just want you to think about it, chaw on a little bit. Is based upon the image that they have of our country right now, 
Do you think that they believe we're in a good place or really dystopian dark place? Don't say it out loud. I'm going to read your mind this morning. Okay, got it. So Michelle Obama was one of the featured speakers, the new uh, vice pre- uh, uh, nominee for vice president and nominee for president. We have all these, even the, the past uh, president, uh, President Obama spoke. And one of the things that you kind of gather when you're listening to all these different things is that <clears throat> there is no hope. Now, we did have eight years of hope and change during one administration, but once that was over, what happened to all the hope and change? But now we're back to, we have no hope whatsoever unless we re-elect this this party, which is, and again, whatever you want to do, that's going to be up to you between you and the Lord. But when we think about these things, you have this dystopian idea where everything is just falling apart, and we ask ourselves, well, aren't we just living are we in this period where we're having to to deal with the consequences of bad decision making for not just four years or three years but the bad decision making of decades and decades of political decisions the truth for us is no matter what's going on in the culture if we put our faith and our hope in God we may suffer here and there a little bit but God will never put us to shame he'll never leave us behind we will not be lost in the process we'll always be able to be certain that what we're doing and how we're living is good so kids before you go home blow your balloons up and write courage you got courage on there write Uh, confidence and then certainty and then tie that balloon off and take that home and let that be a reminder to you of what we talked about here today because courage, confidence, and certainty are the things that help us live without shame in a world where all we have are people trying to shame us for what we believe and what we think. Listen, I'm old enough now to have been a child of the 60s. There were some confusing things in the 60s. I didn't go through them. I was brought up in church. My mom and dad, they loved me, and I was kind of oblivious to it. I was a teen in the 70s. A lot of weird things happening in the 70s, but a different decade. Uh, So uh, I was a teenager in the 70s, a lot of weird things going on. You know what? I survived it. My mom and dad loved me. I grew up in the church. I love the Lord. God got me through it. I was a young parent in the 80s. And if you've met my kids, you knew I had to go through some stuff with those kids. But I was a young parent in the 80s, and uh, it, could have, uh, it, could have, it could have crushed me and ruined me. But I, I had uh, good parents, and I was trying to be a good parent. I had a good wife. We loved the Lord, and God saw us through. I became a parent of, t- of teens in the 90s. And you remember how weird the 90s were, right? If you had a teenager in the 90s, I survived that as well because I had a good wife, a good family, well loved the Lord, we had the church. I survived Y2K in the, in the years after that when everything was supposed to fall apart because I had a good family, a good faith, and uh, God was seeing me through it. Now I'm a grandparent uh, in the last 10 years, and it's hard for me to keep track of how many grandkids I have. It's six or seven. It's got to be six because it's an even number, right? 
they're all having birthdays and and I, it's hard for me to remember what year it is for them. I got some fives and some sixes and I got a two and I got a, it's Madeline that's hard because it's what is she? She's 12 and I keep thinking she's 10. But I've survived all that because we believe in family and we have our faith. Each step during my life, Satan has tried to shame me. And he's tried to use Satan to deflate my courage and my confidence and my certainty in a myriad of different ways. And whatever stage you find yourself in right now, the devil is scheming to do the same thing to you. He'll use your culture, your environment, your world to try to strike panic in your heart and your mind. What you need to ask is, is it working? And if it is, it's being working because you're not shameless. You're allowing shame to cover over your confidence and your courage. You're allowing that fear that you're going to be left behind or lose out or get lost along the way. Control your thinking, your heart. I hope today that you've learned how to be shameless. To have that, have that courage and confidence and certainty because we are built upon the precious cornerstone that is true and trustworthy. Let's pray.